0: I have the privilege to introduce the speaker, uh, Jonathan Zita heads the Lifestyle Canada Ministry, which is responsible for the Seventh-day Adventist literature evangelism work in Canada. He oversees the Canada Youth Challenge, Glow Canada means he um, prints and supplies glow tracks throughout Canada, and uh, and also I Heal program. He's happily married to Denisa. And they have two children, Daniel, 11, and Naomi, 9. He's always been a co-porter in school, and he was my co-porter leader. And he taught me all I know about knocking on doors. Then we led the program together the following year. Uh, He has pastored in Ottawa East Church. Then he worked as a director of literature evangelism at Review and Herald. This is his bio, but now as a friend, he has shown me how a man who has God in the heart can be like. Yes, I've read about Daniel and Joseph and Elijah and David in the Bible, men who love the Lord and who are on fire for God, but this guy has shown me what a man of God can be like in real life. I'm very happy that he has taken time to come to be with us today. May the Lord use him as he speaks to us from the Word of God. Let us welcome Jonathan Zita.
1: Happy Sabbath Church. Greetings from Canada. I wish I could take your weather back with me. But... um, maybe I just need to move my family down here. Amen? So I was driving my car the other day about six months ago, and something was wrong. You could sense there was a little bit of a pull. It's like a little bit of a nudge as you're going down the highway. And so it's an older car, and so I just kept praying. I said, you know, I just, you know, those problems you just wish, if you just wait long enough eventually you're thinking it will go away well it didn't go away and about a month about a week later my wife kept driving the car and she said you know honey you got to you got to take the car to the mechanic a mechanic is a love hate relationship because they fix your car but in the end they take your money so i brought it to the mechanic mechanic looked everywhere couldn't find what was wrong with the car finally the mechanic decided to look in the motor of the car. They popped the side of the motor out. And I know this is a little disgusting, but the head of a mouse fell out. So I live in the country. We rent a little bungalow. And so the, the mouse fell out. And so I had to fix and change the whole timing belt of the motor. I've never heard of a, of a mouse going into a timing belt of a car. So about $800 later, I was able to start my car and leave the mechanic shop, thankful that at least the car works. About three weeks later, I'm supposed to go to a funeral. And so I go to the car, and I start the car, and the, and the car doesn't start. And I'm thinking, and I try to jumpstart it. Nothing's working. The car's not starting. And so I call the, the tow truck, C, uh, we call it CAA. You guys, I guess it's AAA anyways. So they take the car and they tow it all the way to the mechanic and the mechanic can't find anything wrong. And the mechanic pops open the motors and Minnie Mouse falls out. And I'm thinking, Lord, $800 and then another $800 for a mouse. We're going to talk about emotions this morning, right? Some of you may have money, and $800 is nothing for you. But for me, $800 is a lot of money for a mouse, a critter. And so I, you know, I didn't get upset. I just gave my emotions to God. I said, Lord, I mean, this is it. I mean, I have to fix the car. I had to tell my wife what was happening, and she was very disappointed. So we swiped the credit card, we fixed the car, and drove the car away. Two months later, I have another car, right? And so I, I go to this other car now, and it's, there's still snow on the ground. And I try to start the car, and the car does not start. And I look around in the snow, and I can see these little tracks that are tracks of mice. Now, I, because of time's sake, I don't have a time to tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> but come back this afternoon and I'll tell you the rest. Anyways, the point is, what I wanted you to understand with this story, or the beginning of it, is this. What do you do with your emotions? Emotions is a gift from God. I believe that God has given us emotions to help us to enjoy life. What do I do with my feelings, with my emotions, with my urges, with my cravings, with my passions, with my fears? It's a gift from God, but if it's a gift from God to enjoy life, why is it that emotions mess us up so much? What happens when your feelings, when your emotions control your life? Some people ask, is there such thing as bad emotions, bad feelings? And then another question is, the feelings that I experience, the emotion that I experience, is that who I am? Is that what I am because I feel it? And then somebody else once asked, if I don't allow myself to fully express my emotions, am I being a hypocrite? And finally, the most important question is, does God understand my struggle with my crazy emotions? and sometimes messed up thoughts. So, a little disclaimer before we go into this presentation. Number one, I'm not a professional, so um, I'm just going to share with you some of my journey and the biblical principles that have given me so much freedom in my life. And the second thing I want to share is that I do believe in chemical unbalance. In balance, I have dear family members that do suffer from chemical imbalance in their brains. But I do believe, though, that a lot of the issues that we do have in life with God's help can be solved. I just give you an example. For example, there are people that suffer from anxiety that medication is needed. I have seen other individuals that suffer from anxiety and stress, and so they go to the doctor, but what they're really struggling with is guilt. But they don't know that. They don't, the world doesn't, doesn't acknowledge sin, and sin brings about guilt. And so they go to the doctor, and the doctor doesn't believe in sin. And so the doctor, what they do, they prescribe medication for the individual, right? Some of these individuals, if they were presented to Jesus Christ, I have seen how the anxiety went away. If you understand what I mean? So what I'm trying to say is I do believe in chemical imbalance, but I do also believe that some of these issues can be dealt with from a biblical perspective. So some of the things that we go through may give us big mechanical bill, (laughs) emotional ride, and two dead mice. And we can look back and we can laugh about it, but there are other things that we go through in life. Thank you. There are other things that we go through in life that affect us in a way deeper level. And you know, friends, I've knocked at thousands of doors, and I have sat with thousands of people and I've realized that it seems that one of the biggest issues that we have is not IQ but EQ, emotional issues. There are people that believe truth, that understand the Bible because they haven't dealt with the emotional issues in their life. It messes up their marriages and it messes up their family and it messes up the church and, and it's, it's like dysfunction that just spreads. But yet I believe in the Word of God. We have solutions that God can bring about healing to our lives God has brought healing in my life, and I just want to briefly share with you my story. I want to start with a verse, Galatians 5, 22, 23. I'm going to move very quickly because the time is short, but you can jot these down if you want. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. So many times when we think about emotional health, we think about joy, we think about peace, we think about, you know, self-control or be able to be able to control our anger or control ourselves. And it seems that the ability to have amazing emotional health can only be brought about from the Holy Spirit. So we can have the Holy Spirit working outside of us versus we can have the Holy Spirit abiding in us and producing these fruits. 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And so what we want is we want God's Spirit to be able to dwell in us so we can have good emotional health, stability. This is a quote from a book, Testimonies, Volume 3. It says this, The brain nerves which communicate with the entire system are the only medium through which heaven can communicate to man and affect his or her in most life. And so the brain, sometimes we think, well, okay, the Holy Spirit gives me peace, gives me joy, but the Holy Spirit actually, yes, it's something real. It's, it's God that can communicate, but where does God? It's not in my foot or my hand. The Holy Spirit communicates to my mind. Is the only way. So, so my mind is the way that the Holy Spirit can give me that peace, that joy, that self-control. It's Proverbs 23, 7, it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So one point when I was trying to study this thing out, I began to realize, wait a second, there is a link between my thoughts and my characters, right? You can see that from this verse. In Proverbs four twenty three it says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it spring the issues of life. So from there, I was able to find out my heart obviously refers to my mind, not the blood organ. And so the combination of my thoughts and my feelings. So I'm getting somewhere, so stick with me if you can. According to the scriptures, I can guard or I can keep my heart, which insinuates a level of what? Of control. So as, the way, as a man thinks, so is he. And then the Bible says you should guard your heart. So this is obviously something that God doesn't do. God can help us, but this is I have a choice or I have some kind of power that I need to be able to make a decision to ask God to guard my emotions, to guard my feelings. And so the more I study, the more I realize there's actually a a way that things work. So here you have what is called your thoughts and your feelings. And your thoughts and your feelings is what produces your words and your actions. And the more that you repeat your words and your actions, that's what we call what? Habits. You put all your habits together, and that is your character, and your character determines what? Your destiny, right? So many individuals, when they want to change, what they focus on is they focus on their habits Or some people focus on their words and they want to stop saying certain words or start saying some things. But if you really want to be transformed, what should you focus on? Your thoughts and your feelings. Because it's your thoughts and your feelings that produces your words and your actions. But more importantly, it's your thoughts. So I think, therefore I am, or I feel, therefore I am. Friends, this is extremely important because we are in a society that is switching completely to everything is about emotions. I mean, you just go on Facebook and you see reactions to news and whatever. It's all emotional reactions. And this is important. As a Christian, we need to understand how to be able to live the way Christ wants us to. So what do I identify more with? Is it my thoughts or is it my feelings? Meaning if I feel a certain way, is that who I am? Or if I think a certain way, is that who I am? And the more I thought about it, I said, well, it depends. What has the greatest control in your life? Some people say, well, it's your feelings. Feelings is who you are. And some people say, no, it's your thoughts. Your thoughts is who you are. But you know, I realize that there's problems with both. There are people that have crazy thoughts, and there's some people that have crazy feelings. So how are you supposed to determine what you're supposed to follow? Your thoughts and your feelings produce your words and your actions. But your words and your actions, how do you know if they're right or wrong? Well, if your thoughts and your feelings need to be right and wrong, but how do you know? How do you control? How do you change? In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so here, this is a very important point. God's word, for his, God's word to judge, what we've just talked about, to judge my thoughts and motives, it must be above them. And so you have Jesus in his word, and then you have your thoughts, and then you have your feelings. When I was 16 years old, I know this is not a, awesome testimony, but for me, it was a comp- it, it just changed my life completely. I don't remember what it was. It was a science project that I needed to do in high school, and I was extremely stressed about it, and I remember it was like 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning, and I needed to go to bed, and I had done everything I could, but I was still stressed about the outcome of the test or whatever it was the next day. And I remember, I went to bed, I, I gave it to God, and I said, God, I've done everything I could. And I went to bed, and, I, and I was, I'm laying on my bed. And I'm just laying on the bed, and I just start feeling this, this, this emotions of, and thoughts of just, you're going to fail everything, and there's just anxiety that's taking over. And some of you may have never experienced this, but it's just, it's this concept of just, you're losing control, you're being engulfed. And I'm like, I mean, I've done everything I could and so, so what I did is I, I got out of bed and I knelt and I claimed God's promise and I said, God, you know, you've, you've promised that you'll help us, you'll strengthen us and you'll give us your peace and I claimed whatever promise I could remember and I remember going back in my bed and I'm in my bed and once again the thoughts of failures and the feelings of anxiety just start taking over once more. And I'm thinking, well, I just gave this to God. And and, and so I get out of my bed again and I kneel. And I claim God's promises and I say, you know, I refuse to allow these emotions to take over or these thoughts to become my thoughts. And I went back in bed and once again, and this happened like four or five times, but you know the fifth time, I remember going in my bed and I just slept like a baby. When I woke up the next day, You know, this was the aha moment for me in my life. I said, you know what? Wow. I can control, with God's help, my thoughts and my feelings. This was an amazing thought. You know that most Christians don't know that? Most people think whatever thought comes to my mind, it must be me that's thinking it. Whatever emotion comes, that's who I am. And I began to realize, no. No. Satan suggests thoughts. Satan has emotions that he wants you to feel. But there is actually a time and a choice that we can decide, will I make this thought mine or will I reject it? Will I embrace the emotion or will I say no with the power of God? I will not accept this emotion. I am not a failure. I'm a son of God. When I begin to understand, this was an amazing point in my life. I do not need to think every thought nor feel every emotion that is presented to me. In 2 Peter 1, 4, it says, By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, or through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. With God's Spirit and the claiming His Word, I can control my thoughts, which in turn will affect my feelings. In Testimony, it's a volume, powerful book, it says even your thoughts must be brought into subjection to the will of God and your feelings under the control of reason and religion. Your imagination was not given you to be allowed to run riot and have its own way without any effort at restraint or discipline. If the thoughts are wrong, catch this, the feelings will be wrong. And the thoughts and the feelings combined make up the moral character. My wife's name is Denisa. Before I was married, there was this young girl that I really, 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 really loved. And um, as a teenager and as, you know, even in my young adult, I just knew that I was, since I was 12, I knew this is the girl I'm going to marry. You know, I really loved her. And, um. I went to college, and as I was studying, you know, and i learning some things, I began convicted that I should put relationship aside during college. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong if you're in college and whatever, you have relationship. I, this is just my conviction, right? I, I just felt conviction, because relationships takes a lot of time, money, and energy, amen? There's one amen. Okay, so... I just felt that during school, college, I should focus on my life calling of what God wanted me to, to do, right? So I focused on it. And, and, and so I came to this young lady and I told her, look, this is my conviction. If you want to wait for me, then great. You know, if you don't want to wait for me, then you know, I'll understand, but you're free, right? And I fully expected her to wait for me, because I mean, what's the better choice out there, you know? But she didn't wait. And um, the worst is that she found one of my best friends. And I'll tell you, the reason it was rough is because I remember one day she told me, you know, that she had decided to get married to one of my best friends. And it wasn't Minwa, Pastor Bay, by the way. It wasn't him. <laughs> and I had to be part of the wedding party. I was one of the groomsmen. And you know, if you watch the video, I'm standing there and I'm trying to look as happy as I can <laughs> for them. But you're looking and you're watching the love of your life going and giving your, to another man. But I tell you one thing: I made a decision the day I find out, found out that they were together, which was a year or two before, I made a decision that with God's help, I'm still going to love them. I'm going to treat them kind and courteous. They will still be my friend. you know It's a decision I made. I will not allow thoughts or feelings or emotions. I'm not going to give it time. I'm going to claim God's promise. And it wasn't easy. I'll be honest, it wasn't easy, but I made that decision. So wedding party, you want me to be, fine. You want me to get a suit, fine. You want me to stand here, fine. I'll stand here and I'll try as my best with God's grace to be happy for you, you know? Emotions I'm talking to you about. Do you know that for two years after that marriage or wedding, our lives kind of intertwined still And I remember every time I would see her or see him, every time we would talk, there'd be like a pain, like right here. I don't know, it's hard to explain, but it's like this. (laughs) Some of you that might have gone through divorce or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. It's like this pain. And I remember all the time that pain is there when I talk to them and I just have to keep surrendering it to God. I said, no, I've made a decision. I will follow you, Lord. Your word is above my thoughts and my feelings. I claim your promise. Two years later, I called their house. I don't remember what it was for. And I talked to her. I wanted to talk to him. I don't know why I ended up talking to her. And we were just chatting. And I remember hanging up the phone. And it if God was saying, Jonathan, see. I say, see what? You see? See what? Nothing. And you know, it was the first time I realized I hung up the phone and there was nothing. There was no pain. There was no hurt. There was no bitter. There was nothing. And it's like... God was trying to tell me, look, listen, you follow me. You claim my promise. You do what is right. The emotions come and emotions go, but you don't live by emotions. You live by faith in the word of God. And, you know, know, I can take five years to take away the pain. I remember something else that happened to me with my mother, and I don't have time to go through this, when I learned to forgive my mom. I remember that day the pain went like this. I mean, I hung up the phone and the, the pain was gone. And this, it took two years. And sometimes it may take five years. Sometimes it may take ten years. And sometimes God may not take the pain away till he returns. But he says, what's that up to you? You follow me. And I will bring about the healing in my timing and in my way. The adversary of soul. I don't know if you know, but Satan cannot read your thoughts. I don't know if you knew that. It says, the adversary of soul is not permitted to read the thoughts of men. But he's a keen observer and he marks the words and the actions that flow from the thoughts and the feelings and skillfully adapts his temptations accordingly. So what Satan does is that he, he can't read your thoughts, but he can suggest emotions and he can he can play with your emotions, he can suggest thoughts, and then he watches your face. He watches how you're going to come out with your words and with your actions. And most of us, because we don't understand that I can actually control with God's help my thoughts and my emotions, the thought comes in, the words come out. But catch this, if all would labor with God's help to repress sinful thoughts and feelings, giving them no expression in words or acts, Satan would be defeated for he would not know how to prepare his spacious temptations to make their cause. And so when he suggests a thought that you know is not from God, I mean, that thought can come, how could they get married with a what, what, what? And I could, yeah, I mean, she treated me bad. I could go down that road and I'd be rightful to do it. But I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Not because I'm holy, but because God has told me, this is not what I want you to do. And so Satan's looking, and he's trying to put put thoughts and feelings, and he's looking, and he can't figure you out anymore. Every time he threw an emotion or a thought, you did exactly what he wanted, and now he can't. Why? Because now we have partakers of the divine natures, claiming the promises of God. When we decide that as Christians we are not required to restrain our thoughts and feelings, we are brought under the influence of evil angels and invite their presence and their control. So you want emotional healing in your life? In John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We talked about this in the junior class this morning. God's word has power to heal. God's word has power to transform. It is true that if you're not used to God's word, it can be very boring when you read it. But I encourage we need to spend time in God's word. The more that we prayerfully read God's word, the more it becomes a savior of life to us. It says, by study and contemplation and prayer, God's people will be elevated above common earthly what? Thoughts and and will be brought into harmony with Christ and his great work of cleansing the sanctuary. So my journey, some of the healing, I mean, I came from a very dysfunctional family. I believe most of us have. Some families are more dysfunctional than others. But I'm telling you one thing, the amount of healing that God brought in my life, it's hard to explain. I believe God brought healing in my life not because I'm a better person, but because as I studied the principles of God and aligned myself with God's spirit, he was able to do something in me that, for, my, for example, my other siblings, he was not able to do. And you may think, well, what's the point? What's so important to find emotional healing? You know why it's so important? It's so important to find emotional healing because there's a world out there that only we can reach through the power of God. And when I go and I meet people, I can talk about the divorce that my family went through. I can talk about abuse, and I don't break down, and I don't get bitter when I talk about it. Why? Because I found healing of Jesus, and I'm able to connect with individuals. But if I don't find healing, and there's issues in my life, there's hundreds of people around us, and we can't connect with them because there's this emotional baggage that we haven't learned to surrender to God. So how do you find emotional healing? The way God was able to bring healing and He still bringing healing in my life, one is a study of God's Word. At first it was very boring, but the more I committed to spend time in God's Word, the more it started to change me, sanctify them through Thy truth. So what happens is that the study of God's Word speaks to our thoughts. And then what happens, sanctifies to be able to set apart for a holy purpose. And so it takes your thoughts and brings your thoughts to more holy thoughts and pure thoughts. And the more that your thoughts are right, the more your emotions eventually line up with your thoughts. And the more your thoughts and your emotions line up to what God wants you to do, the more your words and your actions are good and holy. And the more your habits, and you understand what I mean, in your character is one that reflects the character of God. Meditation is another thing. Many people read the Bible, but they don't take time to think and to allow God's Spirit to apply the Word of God to their lives. Prayer, especially prayer for the Holy Spirit. And I threw this one in, healthy mental boundaries, healthy mental boundaries. Here it says, it is an important law of the mind, one which should not be overlooked, that when a desired object is so firmly denied as to remove all hope the mind will soon cease to long for it and will be occupied in other pursuits. But, and for those who have kids, you know this is true, as long as there's any hope of gaining the desired object, an effort will be made to obtain it. Mommy, can we have ice cream? No. Mommy, can we have ice cream? No. Mommy, can you have ice cream? No. Mommy, can we have ice cream? Mommy can... Okay, you can have it. What has the kid just learned? Mommy gives in after number... 12, or 13. You understand? And for me, it just drives me crazy when I see kids like that, because I'm saying the parents are teaching the child, and then the parents wonder, what happened to my kid when the kid doesn't learn? to. Anyways, that's that's a whole other present. Anyways, (laughs) the point is this. When there comes a point where the child understands no is no, I love you, I love you, but no is no, Then the child just goes on and occupies himself with something else. But many of us, we're not children anymore. So who puts the mental barriers in your life? Did you know that you are the only one that can do that? God Almighty will not come and put mental barriers for you. And so what I began to realize is with God's help, I started like what I shared with you about this young lady I had to make a decision and say, you know what? This is a mental barrier that I'm going to erect, and with God's help, I'm not going to cross. I've knocked on doors in Florida and Texas and Virginia, and and you know, I've knocked on thousands of doors. I cannot tell you one individual that I met who was racist. Now, I'm sure I met hundreds or thousands of them, but I have never left the door when the door was slammed in my face or people say I'm not interested. I've never left the door thinking that person treated me bad because I'm a visible minority. Never. And I'm sure it happened. I'm sure people did. But I refused to go down that path. I just, you know, gave them the benefit of the doubt. They're having a bad day, whatever. Mental barrier. When I was a kid, I wasted a lot of time with television. You know, I don't know if this happens to you. I don't know. These days they have Netflix and they have all kinds of things. But, you know, you, you sit down and I'm just going to watch one program, 30 minutes. And then, whoa, three hours later, I'm still sitting down, right? Because you still need to watch and then a the commercial and then... And so when I, I don't have a television at home, when I travel, I go to hotels, one of the rules that I have made in my mind is I don't turn on the TV. It's that simple, you know? Is there anything wrong with television? No. Is it a sin to watch television? No. I'm just telling you, I know who I am. I know my weaknesses. I know if I turn that TV on, five hours later, I'm going to be in front of it. I just don't turn it on. You understand? So before it was a little bit of struggle. Should I turn it on? Now I walk in a hotel room. I don't turn it on. I don't even look at the television. What I'm trying to explain to you is that the healthy mental barriers, God is there to give us strength to be able to set these mental barriers and so that it helps us in the path to proper mental healing. And the last point is a surrendered life focused on the love of God. You know, this is the most important point. If we don't understand this concept, everything else is just little tips and little whatever. Do we understand the love of God? What's our motivation to change, to have mental barriers, to pray, to meditate, to study God's Word. You know, it's an interesting quote I came across the other day. It is true that when Adam and Eve sinned, God knew they were going to sin. So it's not like if it caught God by surprise, right? But this shocked me when I read this. It just showed me that God has emotions, God has emotions. And so in Revelations, we are told that the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. That basically means that God the Father, God the Son, the Spirit, they already had a plan in place. If something happened, they knew Jesus was going to die. And so in my mind, when Adam and Eve sinned, you know, it would just be, okay, Jesus, okay, we know what we're going to do. The plan is set. Okay, let's do this thing. But when Adam and Eve sinned, we're told that God the Father and God the Son, they went into a special meeting and council together. And you're thinking, and it took a long time. And so you have billions of angels, and they're just waiting outside, and they're thinking, what's happening, what's happening? And they're waiting to see what's... It says, before the Father, he, Jesus, pleaded in the sinner's behalf, while the host of heaven awaited the result with an intensity of interest that words cannot express. Long continued was that mysterious communing, the council of peace for the fallen sons of men. And so you're thinking, why did it take so long? They already had a plan in place. They knew what they were going to do. Why didn't they just say, okay, Jesus, you know what you're going to do? Go down and tell them what they need to happen. I don't know if it took hours. I don't know how long it took. But it took a long time. Why did it take time? This is why. It says, "The the plan of salvation had been laid before the creation of the earth for Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Yet, it was a struggle, even with the king of the universe, to yield up his son to die for the guilty race. You know, when I read that, I realized, wow, God has emotions. God has emotions. I mean, everything was set Nothing caught God by surprise, but yet it still took a long time to say, I know we decided this. I know this is what we chose. I know. I just don't know if I can let you go. You know, when we start understanding Jesus and God, they understand the struggles that we go through with our emotions every day. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son why can you trust jesus above your thoughts and your feelings i know i haven't touched on it but some individuals struggle a lot with this it's true it may be anxiety it may be anger issues it may be i don't know it can be even be issues of struggles with lgbtq there's all kinds of emotions things that are tied with emotions and feelings and sometimes all my emotions and my feelings tell me something, and the Word of God tells me something else. And so what am I going to listen? Am I going to listen to my emotions? and I am going to listen to my thoughts? Or am I going to listen to this Word of God that's out there, that I just, why is it that I can trust Jesus? He doesn't, does He really understand what I'm going through? In Matthew 27, we're told, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so you want to talk about feelings? Every inch of emotion and feeling in Jesus was, you know what? (laughs) Get off that cross. My disciples have forsaken me. The seven-day Adventist church has forsaken me and killed me. The government is against me. My best friend lied about me. And God Almighty has turned against from me. You know what? Let me... Let me just get off this cross. All emotions. You talk about emotions. There were nails. I mean, there was pure pain continually all through his body. Every inch of emotion told him, you know what? Get off this cross. What about his thoughts? The thoughts that kept coming in his mind is, you know what? This is a complete waste. I mean, there's not one person. Look at these disciples and everybody. They all forsook me and they all ran away. but I'm so happy that Jesus didn't listen to his thoughts or his feelings. Thoughts and feelings are good as long as they're in line with God's word. In these hour of ages, we are told that he could not see beyond the portals of the tomb. But he still stayed on that cross. And you're thinking, why did he stay on the cross if he didn't really know that he'd be resurrected? He stayed on that cross for you he stayed on that cross for me because he was thinking there is a slim chance that this thing's going to work. I mean, I can't see myself resurrecting, but there's this, this 0.001% that is going to work. And for this 0.001%, even if I never see my father ever again, I'm going to stay on this cross because I think it's worth it. And friends, when I begin to understand the love of God, that Jesus himself said, you know what, all my thoughts and all my feelings tell me one thing, but I'm going to stick with the script regardless. That is why I can trust my God with my thoughts and my emotions. I can trust him no matter what my thoughts or emotions tell me, if Christ chose to die rather than to break his promise or his word, I can trust Jesus and his word above my thoughts, above my feelings. There's a lot more that I could share testimonies in my life, but my time is completely up. I don't know what some of your struggles are. If you're a human being, you experience feelings and emotions. I don't care who you are or where you're from some of us, we try to stifle it. If we've experienced abuse or neglect as kids, there's even more issues that, or sometimes uh, when we have been downgraded as young people or made fun of, there's a whole baggage inside that unless we can learn to trust God in His Word and find healing, yes, it's going to mess up our family and our marriages and our kids, But I think what's even more important is that it's going to keep God from using us to be able to reach a world out there that can be benefited from the healing that we have found in our lives. So I want to pray. And as we bow our heads and close our eyes, I just want to give you 30 seconds or 45 to talk to God. You have some of the principles outlined. I don't know if there's some things that maybe you need to do in your life to start spending time in His Word, maybe to make that decision not to allow these thoughts and these feelings to become yours. I don't know what it is, but if there's some emotional healing that you're looking for, take a moment, talk with God, and let Him talk to you, and then I will close. Dear Jesus, loving Father, we're so grateful that you have provided a way for healing. And in a crowd this big, I know that there's some that have been abused, there's some that have anger issues. We're all dysfunctional in some way or another. But Lord, I know that you want to bring healing Not just for our sakes, but so that we can be able to be instruments, channels for your spirit to be a source of healing to others. There are some individuals here that have not made that decision to claim your promise to to control thoughts and feelings that are not from you. And so I pray, O Lord, that you may help them to make that decision. Some individuals that have trusted their feelings, their emotions, their cravings, they're above your word. For these individuals, I claim the promise of Jude 24, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Father, we're thankful for our emotions We're even thankful for the thoughts that present themselves to us. But, Father, we want to make a decision to define ourselves, not by our thoughts and our feelings that just come and go, but by the Word of God. May your Word be the one that changes us. May your Word be our guide. May we trust your Word above everything else because you have deemed yourself trustworthy. Thank you, Father, for loving us so deeply. Fill our hearts with love for you. And may we be what you want us to be and find the healing you want us to find. In Jesus' name, amen.